Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ. And I'm so glad that you have joined us today as we are continuing in Matthew. And today we are going to be in Matthew chapter 12. Now there is so much in this particular chapter. There's a lot of information here. And so we're going to have to go fairly quickly. And we won't really be able to look in a whole lot of depth, a whole lot of detail uh, with most of these sections. But we'll try to uh, with a couple of them as we are going. The first part of this chapter is there, verses 1 through 14, where Jesus is dealing with these questions and these accusations of him breaking the Sabbath. Now, in verses 1 through 8 is one particular situation where uh, his disciples began to pluck uh, heads of grain to eat as they were going by the field. And the Pharisees saw it and they said that, they, that Jesus' disciples there in verse 2, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus uses these two Old Testament examples to disprove what they're saying and also to point out their hypocrisy. The first one is that of David. David was hungry, as he says. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor of those who were with him, but only for the priests. So Jesus uh, uses this example of David. David did something that was against the law of Moses, but the Pharisees did not hold that against him. The Jews did not hold that against him as if he had done something wrong. Second, he uses the example of the priests. There were certain duties that the priests were to keep on the Sabbath day, but yet the Pharisees never regarded them as doing something that is wrong because that was their priestly duty. And the point that Jesus is making there in verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus was not going to do anything that contradicted the law of Moses. He is, in fact, the Lord of the Sabbath. And then in verses 9 through 14, he's continuing on. There's this other situation that says he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And there was a man withered. And, and Jesus, of course, was going to heal him. And the, the Pharisees, of course, were looking for this opportunity to accuse him. And he says to them in verse 11, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Oh, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So here in verses 1 through 14, he is showing them that their idea of the Sabbath is not what God intended. And their binding of the Sabbath was far more than the way that God intended the Sabbath to be observed, and they were in fact binding their traditions and not truly the law of Moses. Then in verses 15 through 21, we have Jesus, of course, making the point, and we see this being used here to, to show that Jesus was God's chosen servant. And there is a prophecy there in verses 17 through 21 from Isaiah chapter 42 talking about the servant that God has chosen, the kind of character he was going to have, the type of attitude that he was even going to have. But for the sake of time, we're going to move on, and I encourage you to look at that uh, in more depth uh, in your own time. Then this next section in verses 22 through 32 is one that is of a lot of discussion. People often ask, you know, is the sin against the Holy Spirit something that someone can do today? There's so many different questions because of what Christ says there in verse 31. 
Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. We often call this the unpardonable sin, something that cannot be forgiven. And we're always so curious about this because we look at passages such as Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 where uh, we are told to repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Even Jesus himself says here that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people except for this one. And so we always ask the question, you know, what is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Of course, blasphemy is, is something where you're speaking against You are denying it, especially in this sense, because Jesus was casting out these demons. He was performing these miracles. And these people said in verse 24 that it was by the power of the devil that he was doing these things. Now, of course, Jesus first points out the logical fallacy of what they just said. And that is the fact that if he is casting out demons by the power of the devil, then eventually the devil is is going to destroy himself. Because he's working against himself. He uses that example of a, of a divided kingdom or of a divided home. How those things cannot stand if they are not united. And so if Satan is fighting against himself, eventually he's going to destroy himself. So Jesus is saying, first of all, what you just said, it doesn't even make any sense. But also, he uses this opportunity to show us that those that blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, as he says, will never be forgiven. And I believe that what Jesus is saying here is those that, that reach the point of spiritual depravity to where they are blaspheming against the Holy Spirit as they did here have the kind of heart and have the kind of attitude of one that will never repent of sin, one that will never change what they are doing. And so that's what I think Jesus is talking about whenever he is discussing the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But then in verses uh, 33, looking down through verse 37, he says that we are known by our fruits. In verse 34 especially, he says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7, uh, we are told that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What we are on the inside, no matter what people may see on the outside, no matter what they may think about us from an outside perspective, what we are inside, what our heart is, is what truly defines us. And as Jesus says there in verses 36 through 37, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus is saying, again, out of the abundance of our heart, everyone speaks. We reveal our heart to those around us. We show who we truly are by the things that we say. And Jesus is saying we're going to give an account to that or of that on the day of judgment. Then this next section in verses 38 through 42, Jesus is talking about the sign of Jonah. And he is saying, of course, the Pharisees ask him for a sign. And he says, there's not going to be any sign given except for the sign of Jonah. Well, what is that? Well, he explains it in verse 40. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 58, you will see that 
most of this chapter, most of that chapter, is dealing with the fact that if Christ was not resurrected from the dead, we would have no hope. Our faith would be in vain. Everything that we do in service to God would be in vain and service to Christ would be worthless. And so Jesus is saying this is going to be the sign that puts the nail in the coffin, so to speak, that proves that I am the Messiah. I'm going to die. I will be, resurre- or will be buried and I will be resurrected on the third day. And that's going to be the sign given to these people to prove to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And then in verses 43 through 45, we have a very interesting passage about unclean spirits, the return of unclean spirits. And I believe what Jesus' point here is the fact that, again, the Jews, they tried to outwardly look righteous. They tried to appear righteous, but inwardly they were wicked. Inwardly they were full of these evil spirits. They were not truly righteous. And because of this, inwardly, again, they were destitute, they were depraved. But again, I encourage you to study that more uh, in your own time. And the last part of this chapter is there in verses 46 through 50. There, as he is here, he's speaking to the people. His mother and his brothers, they stood outside asking to speak to him. And in verse 48, he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. In John 15 and verse 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. We are, again, in that spiritual sense, his family, if we are obedient to him. If we do what he has commanded him to do, if we do and keep the will of the Father in heaven. We are Jesus' brothers and sisters. So that is Matthew chapter 12. I thank you so much for your time and for your attention. Again, I hope that this has built you up, encouraged you, and I again encourage you so very much to take more time to study this chapter because there is just so much uh, in this chapter uh, to learn. But thank you so much for your time and for your attention, and please join us again tomorrow as we look at Matthew chapter 13. Thank you.